ERP has never been the goal. It's about why are you doing this as a business? What's the end state? Is it to grow your business, to reduce fragility in your supply chain? Is it to be able to move into expanding markets or adjacent market? What is it that you're trying to do? And it's the same thing with cloud. Cloud was never the goal and isn't the goal. It's not about just moving to cloud. It's about moving to cloud, taking advantage of cloud technologies to enable you to do things differently. Welcome to the Future of ERP podcast. My name's Richard Howells. I'm a Vice President for Thought Leadership for SAP's ERP Finance and Supply Chain Solutions. And I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Oikyo. Hello, everyone. My name is Oikyo Gar. I'm a blogger, marketer, and podcaster in the area of ERP and supply chain at SAP. And today we will be discussing the top things to know before implementing ERP system. And to do so, we have invited SAP's Paul Saunders. Welcome to the Future of ERP podcast, Paul. Could you say a little about yourself? I can indeed. So hello, both of you. It's good to, to speak with you again. So I'm Paul Saunders. I'm the head of product strategy for Cloud ERP at SAP and the chief evangelist for Cloud ERP, the person who goes around and talks about ERP to people. Paul, I read your hilarious blog on LinkedIn, the one with the title AI, Aquaman and Voltaire are standing at the bus stop. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to put the link under the show notes for our listeners. You said we are at risk at times of just doing AI, just as in the past we were doing digital transformation or doing ERP. Would you like to expand on this? Yeah, thank you for the kind words. When AI or generative AI started, the first hype probably a little bit over a year ago now, the conversation that I was seeing in a lot of tech press was around, we're going to embed AI or we're going to do AI or we're going to add AI and so on. And that's not the goal. And the thing that I love about what we've done at SCP is to say it's business AI. It's what's the business value that AI will actually bring to you. And the story that I told in that blog, which is actually true, was when I went to school many, many years ago, we used to go on the, on the double-decker bus. And in those days in the UK, you can actually smoke on the bus. So the bad kids would sit at the back of the bus upstairs and smoke. Uh, so I was up there, been all cool. It was a, an old boys school. So we were like 15, 16 years old, all stupid. And we were having a conversation about superpowers. And one of our friends got on the bus late and he was all disheveled because he'd run for the bus, which he did most mornings. And I remember somebody saying to him, hey, Rich, you had a superpower. What would it be? And he said, oh, fly. I'd, I'd be able to fly. And somebody else said, why? And he goes, well, I'd be able to fly to the bus stop in the morning. And all of us just kind of looked at ourselves. And then somebody <laughs> said, couldn't you just fly all the way to school? And he's like, oh, yeah, I suppose so. Uh, and it just hadn't even occurred to him. And I think this is kind of what people are thinking about when it comes to AI. It's, it's like we can add AI to do what we're currently doing a little bit faster, better, cheaper sort of thing. Instead of saying, why are we doing the things that we're doing? And is there a different way to accomplish this altogether? And then say, can AI help? And this is very similar, I think, to how we approached ERP 20 years ago, which was, we're just going to move to the next version of software, the next version of hardware and so on, instead of saying, well, actually, how could we improve what we do as a business? And then start with the customer, work your way back to the technology and think about it that way. So 
ERP has never been the goal. It's about why are you doing this as a business? What's the end state? Is it to grow your business, to reduce fragility in your supply chain? Is it to be able to move into expanding markets or adjacent markets? What is it that you're trying to do? And it's the same thing with cloud. Cloud was never the goal and isn't the goal. It's not about just moving to cloud. It's about moving to cloud, taking advantage of cloud technologies to enable you to do things differently. And we're at risk of it becoming the same thing. Let's say, I'm just wandering around my house here in Scotland as I speak. And this house we bought as a renovation project. It was supposed to be like a little fixer-upper. And it ended up in a lot more of a fixer-upper than we ever thought it was going to be. But when you go and talk to an architect, for example, or a general contractor, and you would say, I'd like you to build me a building or build me a house. They don't just turn around and say, okay, would you like it in brick or stone? They say, well, okay, that's great. What's the purpose of it? Is it for you to live in? Is it for you to rent out? Is it for business? What sort of budget are you thinking about or have available? What about timeline? Is there any particular thing? Do you need to be done by the end of the year or so on? What does success look like for you? What sort of design ideas and those kind of things do you like? And, you know, is this a renovation? Is it a new build? All of these kind of questions. They don't just start with, what materials should I use to do this? And it's the same thing, I think, with ERP. It's the same thing with AI. Don't just start with the technology, but start with what are we actually trying to do and how can we achieve it? So I think there's kind of four or five things that I would always say. One, ERP is not the end goal. ERP is the vehicle that takes you on your journey. It's not the end destination. Same thing with cloud. In my time as an analyst and also as a, in IT doing the implementations, people would always say, oh, well, we can't do things in a standardized way because we're very different and nobody's as different as us. We're the most complicated business in the world. You know what? You're not that different. Most businesses are about 75, 80% exactly the same. You have to focus on the why. Why are we doing this? Transformation programs, ERP programs, modernization programs take time. And you have to always come back to why are we doing this? What's the benefit? And also think about just because we've been successful up until this point, that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be successful going forward. So what got you here won't get you there. I see this a lot, certainly from the kind of the post-pandemic phase of when will things move back to normal? When will we be able to do stuff the way that we used to do it in the past? The answer is there is no return to normal. This is normal. And transformation can't be thought of as this kind of A to B sort of thing. And when we've got to B, we're done and we don't have to think about it again for another 15 years. Transformation is continual. It's something that is A to B to C to D to N and so on. And then the final thing that I think people have to think about or companies have to think about is the success or failure largely comes down to governance. If you have very good governance, and governance is not roadblocks, governance is removing roadblocks. If you have really good governance, you will succeed. If you don't, you won't. It's pretty much as simple as that. That's some cool topics to delve into there. Let's talk a little bit about the first one. ERP is not the goal. We see many businesses that think that the implementation is the race and the go live is the finishing line. But as you said, we all know that that's certainly not the case, or at least it shouldn't be the case. So how important is it to continuously track and improve processes even after completing the implementation and go live phases? Yeah, that's a great question. 
And to be honest, I think as technologists and as vendors, we're partly to blame here because we've said for a long time, hey, you can go live in X number of weeks. Yeah, that's great, but that's not the finish line. Go live is where you can then start to be able to operate in this new business model, to be able to do things in a different way. This is where the value starts to come in. Go live isn't, we're done. And I think for many of us that have been around ERP for some time, Go live was kind of, we would fall over that line, like those clips that you see of people who've done triathlons in ridiculous heat and then they're collapsing right at the finish line. That's not what it should be. That's not the goal. I've seen this a lot in my past with project plans, where the project plan ends at either go live or a few weeks afterwards, you have the hypercare kind of piece afterwards. And people would say, well, we have go live and then we do hypercare and then we're done. No, that's where you start to get the value. So to your point, Richard, I think this is where you have to continuously track and improve those processes. After you've gone live, it's a continuous process or a continual process. I'll let you two decide which is the the correct grammar there. But um, (laughs) the other thing that I've always found interesting is that it's a people thing. It's a large transformation. It's a large project kind of thing. There's ERP uh, horror stories that have been out for years, you know, the, the things where they didn't go well. Even though ERP has a much better success rate than the average software project, according to the, the Standish Chaos Report. When you look at it, so many companies are so focused on just getting to go live. They actually don't think about, well, what happens when we're live? What about when we succeed? And when they do succeed, they're kind of a little bit lost because they're like, oh, we weren't really planning on this happening. Now, what do we do? So you have to start to think early on in the project, what are we going to do? And then how are we going to measure that success? And how do we make sure we continue to be successful going forward? I think that's especially true now, Paul, because if you just think about the regulations that are coming up all of the time, the new plastics taxes, the due diligence act for supply chains, Legally, you have to keep up with the rate of change from that perspective. And that means implementing new processes or new capabilities within a business system. What are you seeing there? Regulations will always change. Hopefully for the better, that where you start to get governments saying, hey, this is why we're doing things to improve, whether it's sustainability or Clean Air Act or whatever it might be. There's also changes, certainly with governments, they do stuff. It's something to me that as a business, it's kind of part and parcel of doing business. If I can remember, I'll tell you who said it, but I was reading it online where somebody was talking about sometimes we take this arrogant doctor approach where companies come in and they say, we're looking to do this. And we're like, oh, did you know that the world is very complicated and the business is very hard? And did you know that there's a pandemic happened and wars are on and all this sort of stuff? And they're going, yeah, we run a business. We do actually know all of that. And I think this is where every company is getting hit with cash issues. They're getting hit with supply chain challenges. They're getting hit with climate change, wars, pandemics, really high inflation, wage inflation, wage shortage, all of this sort of stuff. Then, as you mentioned, all these changing regulations that are going on at the same time, what I think from an ERP perspective, you have to say, by standardizing, by taking a clean core approach, taking solutions as they're delivered in the cloud, then those things, they don't become easy, but they become much easier. 
thus freeing you up to deal with those things. Because as governments change regulations, local authorities change regulations, whatever it might be, you don't have the choice to say, well, I don't really want to do it. But it shouldn't derail your business. You've already got enough stuff to deal with. Why would you add that level of complexity that you don't have to? Thanks. Paul, I can imagine there are way too many variables in any ERP implementation to be able to precisely identify. And Richard always says, we plan in a perfect world, but we execute in the real world. Is this true in an ERP implementation? What are some of the pitfalls and roadblocks that companies should look out for? Well, I think Richard, what he says there, he's not just a handsome man, but a wise man as well. Um, you know, this is... And I, I think you're absolutely right. People often think you start off any kind of program with, if the stars all align and everything is perfect. And the one thing that we all know is that that's not true. In life in general, it's nothing to do with ERP. It's to do with life. Things will always change and things will go wrong. It's not that you should try and necessarily avoid everything, become so overprotective that you don't allow the flexibility. Because I see this a lot where companies start to backtrack very, very early on from what their goals are. So they start off with, we are going to change the way this entire company works, how we interact with all of our customers, our employees, our suppliers, our partners, and so on. But then they start to think, oh, well, what about if things go wrong? So then it becomes, well, actually, we're just going to deal with how we interact with our customers. That could go wrong too. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to think about how we build our customers. We're going to do that better. And then eventually it's like, we're going to upgrade our finance system. And there's a huge difference between those two things, I think. The proverbial will always hit the fan. It's really around how are you going to deal with it? How are you going to accept those challenges and be able to move through them. To try and one-up Richard with his cool quote here, it's the Bruce Lee, be like water thing, where he says, water comes along, it hits a rock, it goes around the rock, joins back up on the other side. You have to be able to think these things will go wrong, always. It's about the flexibility. Because you're this amazing guitarist, I'll give you the example of that. I've always been amazed when you see guitarists when things do go wrong, like a string breaks in the middle of a solo. And yeah. they've either got the talent to be able to transpose everything and move to a different string and play the same solo, which I don't have because I can tell you where I am on the keyboard, on the fretboard, but I can't tell you when I'm playing. They can improvise and say, okay, well, that's not going to work. I'm going to do something different. I think that's the way that companies need to think. You need to have sufficient capability, like a guitarist that says, look, I do know the instrument, I know how to play, I know all this sort of stuff. But also know that if something happens, you don't just take the guitar off in the middle of a show, put it down and apologize to the audience and walk away. I love the compliments. We could test out IQ being a great guitarist on a podcast. You won't be able to test out how handsome I am on the podcast. So well, that's... Just that's <laughs> To be fair, Richard, not even on video would it come across. Um, <laughs> That's right. Know. It's my inner beauty. Yes. I mean, 4K will not cover it. <laughs> so one of the things you mentioned earlier is AI, and we always seem to be talking about AI and Gen AI on the yep. podcast these days, but it's the hot topic at the moment. Yeah. And earlier you said AI is not the goal. 
Yes. It's what you do with AI that we deliver value. And I have another quote. I'm battling quotes today. In a recent podcast that I did with Deloitte, one of the quotes was, AI is all about doing the things we do differently and doing different things, which ties into what you were talking about a little bit earlier. But how do you see AI and Gen AI helping, enabling, improving ERP processes moving forward? I love that quote. You said it was Deloitte who said that? Yes. Yeah, it's excellent. It's about looking at what we do today and finding new and better ways to do it, but also doing completely different things. The thing with any technology program, it's always, always people, process, and technology. It's always those three things. When those three things become in sync, then the program's going to be successful. As soon as one of them goes out of sync, it's not going to be successful. And with AI, I think the, the fear about that it becomes a bit like what we did with ERP for a number of years, I'm going to do ERP, I'm going to do AI. It's not about artificial intelligence from a technology perspective. It's about bringing the human intelligence and the artificial intelligence to work together. That I think is where the real value comes from things. The value is often a subjective view of things. So when AI provides a new way of doing things, I wrote about Voltaire in that blog post. Voltaire had many wonderful quotes, but the one is, our wretched species is so made as to throw stones at those who were showing a new path or something along those lines. Basically, when you are going to do something different, other people don't like it. And it's not necessarily they don't like change. That people certainly don't like being changed. <laughs> um, but also, if AI confined to the Deloitte way of saying better ways of doing things, then I think it's, it's natural for humans to go, well, why is AI saying that's better than me? Or when it says that here's a completely different way, it's like, well, actually, no, that's not. And I feel that AI will only show its true value when we get those people process technology in place. And with AI, there's a huge cultural piece as well. I believe that computers uh, are incredibly capable. I just wrote something recently using a, a Frank Zappa quote where he said, computers don't give you the eyebrows. They don't give you the human elements of stuff. They can tell you the greatest things, but there's no emotion behind it. That's, I think, where the human element comes in with all of this. It's the human and the computer coming together where we provide the artistic, the creative, the passionate, all of this sort of stuff into business. It's not just about figures. It's not just about numbers. That's where the success will be going forward. And, and I think this is really, from an AI perspective, oh, it has the potential to be transformational. And like any technology, certainly a major technology shift like this one, there's going to be some things that go incredibly well. And there's also going to be some things that go very poorly. This is where I feel, again, that governance, whether it's governance from an overall view, from a governmental view, from just what are we trying to do here is going to be important. I have a lot of faith in technology. And I'm sure, and I see it all the time where it says, AI can detect cancers that humans have missed. But if I wasn't feeling well and somebody said, we did a computer scan and it says you should be fine, I'd still like to see a human doctor, please. Yep. I'm That's not quite ready for that yet. 
I heard another great quote recently and executive was asked, will AI replace humans? And the answer was, of course not. But humans that use AI will replace humans that don't. It's exactly what you were saying. It's working together. Yeah. Those two working together to improve our daily lives and our ability to compute information, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, absolutely. I wanted to uh, ask a little bit more about the governance as well, because as you said at the start, the importance of business culture versus technology and the balance of the two and how to manage change management. So how important should change management be in an ERP implementation? Yeah, that's another great question. When I was an analyst, a part of our organization did a lot of work on organizational change leadership and organizational change. And they recommended, and I'm going to kind of make up these numbers a little bit, but it's roughly accurate, that about 30%, 30% of an ERP program budget should be allocated to organizational change. And the actual percent that most companies allocate is three. Normally what you see is the organizational change is stuck on the bottom of a Gantt chart or on a spreadsheet somewhere grouped in with training. And certainly in, with a cloud SaaS model, it's very different. Again, I'm getting stuck on this continual versus continuous. I'm sure somebody will tell me which one's correct. You're constantly having to learn as it goes on. It's always changing. So the balance is often thought of as 10% technology and 90% culture. I think for some organizations, it's closer to 100% culture because Let's be honest, most technology from reputable vendors like SAP, quote unquote, works. We wouldn't be in business if our software didn't work, if our services weren't any good. It's the same for many of our competitors. Their software's okay. It's good stuff. It meets its purpose. But there's a couple of businesses that I can think of all within the same area. There's uh, a couple of universities and then there's a and local governments that all chose the same piece of software, exactly the same piece of software. One of them went live, not just on time and on budget, but they hit every one of their metrics and everything worked perfectly well. Another one has still to go live and they are multiple years over budget. And the third one went live and it was an absolute disaster. The same software, by and large, pretty much what they were doing was exactly the same. The main difference was the culture. Did they really, really want to do things differently? There's four questions that I always recommend that any business asks itself very honestly before embarking on any kind of program, whether it's ERP, CRM, or even just an organizational restructure. The first one is, what are we doing? And the answer it can't be we're doing ERP. It's not about that. It's not about we're moving to S4 Hun. It's not about modernizing or moving to a digital core. What are we actually doing from a business perspective? We are growing our business from X to Y by this date. We are shoring up our supply chains so that when the proverbial happens in the world, that we can move products from A to B and still stay in business. What is it we're actually doing? The second thing is why now? Why in 2024 are we doing this? And this is another thing where I think as technology companies, we've kind of overdone it a little bit by saying that 
It's all about the world is moving at a fast pace and this is the slowest it's ever going to be and all of this sort of stuff. And you need to transform. Again, these businesses are like, yeah, we know we're in business. We know this stuff, but you have to ask yourself, why are you doing this now? What's the real reason? And it can't be, oh, well, Richard and Oiku are the only two people who know how it works and they're going to retire. Because if you're in that place, then you just haven't done a very good job as a leader of your business in succession planning and so on. The third one, I think, is the most critical. And there's lots of great stuff we can help here, certainly at SAP and many of our partners can. Are we ready? And many companies start off with, as we talked about earlier, this view of absolutely everything is going to go perfectly well. Nothing's going to go wrong. The stars are going to align and we're all going to be absolutely happy. And then when the slightest thing goes wrong, everything starts to fall apart. So this is how are we ready involves a huge part of how do we make sure we've got our governance in place? And the next one is kind of the CFO question. Can we delay? Do I have to spend the money on this now? There's always got to be the opportunity cost. If we don't do this, what are the risks? If we do do it, what are the benefits? What are the risks if we do it as well? And it has to be a business decision. You can't just keep doing the chicken little thing of, if we don't do this, the technology will fall over and the business will shut down and so on, because that rarely, rarely happens. Rarely. If you can focus on those four things, culture though is absolutely key. And I would say to both of you, there's only one thing that I think that is more damaging sometimes to success than culture, and that's politics. And every <laughs> company has internal politics, every single one. I don't think there's a day goes by in a business where somebody somewhere doesn't quote Peter Drucker and his famous culture and strategy for breakfast. The politics doesn't even let strategy and culture know that there is a interest and certainly doesn't invite me. I've seen so many programs in my time just fall apart, even though they are well planned out. They've picked the, the right software, the right partners, the right vendor. They've got everything ready to go but politics derails it. And it's another one of those things that you can't change organizational politics with an ERP program, but you have to be aware of it and you have to be flexible enough that when it does cause issues and it will, that you can be like water, move around it and continue living. That was perfect advice. That was great, Paul. I must admit though, I've still got Goldilocks and the three bears in my head about the three companies and one did it just right and one did it too hot and one did it too cold. You see, you know why? It's because I had porridge this morning. Um, that's, that's exactly right. And, and again, if, if people could see us and this wasn't a podcast, they would see how much like Goldilocks I actually look. Um, <laughs> or actually more like one of the three bears. Well, we're coming to the end of the podcast, which has absolutely flown by. So one final question. If you had to summarize it in a sentence or two, what is the future of BRP? Yeah. So the future of BRP is the future of business. It's the only time that ERP is viewed as old-fashioned, out-of-date, and so on, is when your business, your processes, your people, and your technology become out of sync. So as your business changes then ERP has to change with it. And I think, you know, what we have now with ERP, this idea of a composable ERP suite where you can 
take different pieces from different areas and literally compose them together to do new capabilities. It's a networked ERP where it's not just about the four walls of your business, but about going all the way through your supply chain from the very first customer point to how you're going to get every little piece of the puzzle to provide that product or service. It's collaborative. There are very few, if any businesses today, that can operate in a vacuum. Everybody has to work with partners and suppliers and sometimes even competitors to be able to get this stuff done. I mean, if you look at us and SAP, what we've done on the collaborative side with Microsoft, Microsoft is a big competitor of ours in certain areas, but they're also a big partner of ours. This is a big change for ERP as well. I think there's at the core, this clean core idea that what Gartner refers to as the system of record capabilities, there's this semi-autonomous nature. I don't think we're ready for fully autonomous. I don't think that's what we want. We don't want AI to run our business, but we want AI to optimize and do things and invite us as humans to interact and make decisions where it's needed. So it might say, hey, we've noticed that demand is growing for this product here. And in order to be able to meet demand for that, you're going to need to increase your stock at plant A and plant B. Would you like to make that change? That I think is absolutely the future of ERP. It's not, we may get in a generation or two to the point where we just go optimize my supply chain and it just does it for you. All of these things are really important. It's collaborative, it's intelligent, it's networked, it's sustainable, it's composable. And that was not two sentences. <laughs> a long running sentence. That was great. Hey, Paul, thanks for a great conversation as ever. You didn't disappoint. Thank you so much. It's lovely always to chat with the two of you. It's always fun. I'm sure you'll be back to do it again as well. I hope so. And thanks everyone for listening. If you'd like to get more information about this topic, you'll find links on our show notes. And please mark us as a favorite and get regular updates and information about future episodes. But until next time, from Paul, Oiku and I, thanks for discussing the future of ERP.